0: General nerdery.
1: The only downside of doing the trailers as separate episodes now. Oh, well, okay. The only two downsides. One, I suddenly have to come up with two intros off the top of my gourd in a random day, and I'm already bad at, like, planning those out. And two, I forget which things we talked about in the trailer episode and which things we talk about in the episode episode, and they
0: don't air in the same week. Oh, I'm just now realizing that I referenced. The fact in the trailer episode that we were going to talk about a movie coming. We mentioned Vampire
1: D like three times in it. And it'll be worse. It, that one doesn't bother me as much, because we'll be like, oh, the thing we're about to talk about in you know, a little bit, and you're like, okay. But when I reference a joke that for uh, me, for us, we made like 20 minutes ago, <laughs> and for everyone else, it came out like three weeks ago. That's where I feel like a dickhead.
0: Uh, that's who we know who are
2: who our <laughs> who true, are true blues are. <laughs> fucking, all right, I looked this stupid joke up. I went back. You don't memorize every episode before you go oh, into the next episode? Oh, what a episode?
1: profoundly depressing thought of doing. Anyways, welcome to Gen. Nerdy, Nerder, your podcast about liking things. I forgot my intro line for a second there. Anyways, I'm Zach. I'm Tyler. And I'm Steven. Steven's here.
0: Steven's here. Shocking.
1: Uh, Shocking no one. And we are here to talk about a movie that I forgot how kind of foundational it was for me. Vampire Hunter D. Bloodlust. How did I miss this movie before now? This movie fucking rules. This movie does slap, but we will get to that in a bit. Before that, what have we been
0: ingesting? What have we been ingesting? What have I been ingesting? Uh, more of the new season of Righteous Gemstones. It's still continuing to be great, so love that show. John Goodman is a fucking treasure. Anything he does.
1: I mean, fucking in Revenge of the Nerds, he's great.
0: Um, new season of What We Do in the Shadows started, so I've checked out those first few episodes. That's been fun as well. Let me see watched infinity pool by brandon cronenberg How oh, fun i want to watch no, that. No, that one um danny's talked to me about that it's interesting it's not my favorite but it's really well done and he's he's definitely his dad's kid <laughs> <laughs> i enjoyed it though i i'm glad i took the time to watch it it's a uh... I'm trying to think of how to describe it if somebody doesn't know what I'm saying, meaning when I just say Infinity Pool. It's like um, Alexander Skarsgård goes on vacation, runs into Mia Goth and a bunch of her super rich friends. And they get into some trouble. But it turns out that being super rich, they can buy their way out. But it's got a really weird twist to it. Oh. There's... They can buy their way out, but there's a there's an addend, there's a caveat about what they have to do to to fully discharge that.
2: May not be all money they pay?
0: It's all money they pay, they just then have to watch something.
2: That sounds fucked up.
0: I I don't wanna say much more than that.
2: <laughs> no, it's <laughs> one of those weird Please don't. But also, it's it's the son of Cronenberg, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. It's the son of, of legendary horror director David Cronenberg, Brandon Cronenberg.
2: And this is in, this is his second, sorry, David Cronenberg is a better name. Yeah, is, is this his second movie? Brandon I
0: think B-? so. I haven't watched his first yet. Um, I liked it though. It's it's really well done. Very super stylish, super stylish. But um, I don't know. Not much else besides that. It's been a lot of Vampire Hunter D and marvel snap still love snap all the snap give me more snap
2: me and my partner cat just played through the all of the new levels on mario karts that we haven't played through Ooh, i need to get through some of those there at still. least like two waves and we didn't even realize it um uh so there's like four four cups that we haven't played and they're really fun I also finished watching the first season and got into the second season of that time I was reincarnated as a slime. I read the first
1: volume of the manga and I remembered enjoying it, but never got back
2: into it. I apparently fucking love isekai style uh, animes. That's apparently a subgenre I really, really get, or can get into. Um, especially ones that are very much wish fulfillment like style ones where it's just like oh yeah you're you're you died but now you've been reincarnated or you're just you're you're now in this other world but you're fucking for some reason you're basically onto a god <laughs> I
1: I liked it it is probably the one that I've enjoyed the most where they substitute World of Warcraft fundamentals for world building but that's my problem with Isekai More often, I mean, there's great fucking Isakai. Fucking Narnia is an Isakai. I'm not knocking the genre, but uh, which breaks some people's I mean, brains when you I think mean, about the that. Matrix like, is an Isekai. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it's the when you substitute world building for like it's a D and D world, and now I don't have to do any like thought or
2: planning. That is, is where I get my biggest complaints. I will say about it is that because it utilizes that as uh, like world building it fucking cruises through fucking story i'd be curious to know how many volumes they cover in the main in the first season i'm, I'm like one episode in season the, two i will say that the first volume cruises through story pretty fast uh, too i've not watched the series so i don't know but guy the 30 something year old virgin um uh Protects his coworker and uh, his coworkers from being stabbed, and takes the knife himself. And as he's dying, he's talking about how in this world, that's apparently a, a thing that you could be uh, like considered a sage because he's a thirty-year-old virgin. <laughs> if he had made it to forty, he would have been a great sage. And he's just like making all these like death grasp like fucking thoughts of like he's cold, he's hot, he doesn't he doesn't want to be cold, so he gets like all of these fucking power resistance as and he is reincarnated with all of these things. He's has this ability called Great Sage, which is basically he has like an internal computer inside of his head that like lets him fucking analyze anything in this world. Um it kind of gives it like the basically the RPG overlay for him. Mm. Um uh, he also has like fucking temp control and all this shit. But he basically gets reincarnated as a slime and is like put into this magic cavern and he grinds into a fucking... He meets a giant dragon that he's able to devour and basically... Well, he becomes friends with it first, but he's stuck there in the in this cave, and so he devours this dragon to get him out of the cave, and in doing so, gets super fucking powerful. And it's just the very, like, in anime-like level of, like, constantly getting wickedly OP and then just like, oh, I'm gonna just be this person real quick that I didn't know I could be. Now I'm way more powerful. Starts a fucking goblin town... Starts building a
1: he gets monster like
2: an orc city or something, doesn't he? Yes, they fucking he meets random. Oh, I don't know if they're orcs because I think they're fighting orcs. There's like
0: three bigger <laughs> the fighting Uruk-hai. <laughs> there's like three main like monster races
2: in this forest that they're in. There's the orcs, goblins, and I want to say like he finds a goblin village that he turns into a city, and then there's like a bunch of other people that I can't remember what they are. I want to say it's not orcs because that's like one of the peoples that he's fighting. But either way it's either way it doesn't matter. He gets his own little fucking harem, he builds himself a hot spring so he can have fucking like fan service stuff. It's a, it's unfortunately a little fan servicey but it's also like very wish fulfillmenty, so at the same time it's
1: We it's also what it is. just finished watching five seasons of Food Wars. So obviously fan service isn't an automatic
0: deal breaker for
2: it's us. It's definitely not an automatic deal breaker. This one is less contextually narratively centric. Ah, it is enough. very fan service-y in the in the fact that it is just like well, uh, that person that I I, I named, so now they have magic powers. They're now more human-looking and Way bigger bazanga, <laughs> <laughs> Which, like, uses that crude terminology to talk about women and their figures. So, as someone who, as I said, does
1: to enjoy fan- occasional fan service, it's such a crapshoot to find because either it'll be like, this surprisingly works, or like, why the fuck are we, like, doing an upscreen panty shot in this very important. <laughs> Emotional scene that has nothing to do with Isn't like,
0: this grandma's funeral? <laughs> yeah, like,
2: and, I, I, yes like, <laughs> And like I've watched animes where they do Like literal fucking like they have The whole bit is that they're gonna They're gonna give you any very important Exposition you need while they're doing Fan service and you have to Be paying attention it's, <laughs> And it's Game of
0: Thrones like, season 1 through 3 sex position But it's like an intentional <laughs> Cognitive dissonance yeah. that
2: we're trying to uh, Build upon and it's very interesting. But then you have other shows that's just like High School of the Dead where it's just like, oh, you just got bouncing boobs everywhere. There's no reason for these uh, high schoolers to be fucking, have a human-sized head breast. Looks at like, you meet me. <laughs> <laughs> and that you're also then being super realism on everything else and just, like, getting into the mechanics of how a fucking EMP works and giving me a, a lesson on that. Yet you're... Uh, got. But also, yes, uh, Pazambas. Boobs bouncing around in such a manner that you have a bullet being shot through them (laughs) in slow-mo, and you're following the bullet through.
1: My friend is a mom, and her kid is just hitting the age of, like, two, just starting to talk a little bit, and apparently he was, like, sitting in the room while she was changing and, like, you know, doing the little kid thing of pointing at stuff and being like, cat. She's like, yeah, cat. Whatever. Then he goes... boobas. (laughs) boobas. <laughs> and she went, what? And he smiled with boobas. <laughs> she's like, okay. Um. Nice.
2: Good so, going, kid. Anyways. <laughs> Learning the facts of life early. And then uh, the other thing that I uh, watched, I finished the first season of uh, Bufori. I don't want to get hurt, so I put all my stats in I the I have three really good things about that. Charming. Super delightful. It is a VR MMO, Isekai style uh, anime. basically, Girl gets a game that's basically like a fantasy RPG type thing, but it's mostly humans, players. Doesn't want to get hurt, puts all of her stats into vitality and accidentally builds, like, a boss-level character. Like, trips into, like, something that gives her a skill stat, just, like, lucks her way into being, like, wickedly OP, breaks the game with, like, finding basically a min-max strategy and just, like, they have to nerf her at points. Um... Starts a guild, it's just delightful, it's charming, very slice-of-life energy. Well, that's not actually sucked into the no. game, is it? It's just... It's it's that, like, her f- best friend is really into really fucking... Pl- it's VR VR headset oh, video okay. game setups, and her friend's super into them, and they has got a new game and wants her friend to play it with her, so she starts it, but her friend has to do homework studying so she can't start it with her, so she just, just gets into this game by herself and doesn't know what she's doing. It's on Hulu, both 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 seasons of it. I just saw that they have the second season dub on there, and I haven't watched that yet, and I'm very excited to get into it, so.
1: Hell yeah. I don't have much, because we're bottle-feeding baby goats right now, and there's fucking nine of them. And it,
2: it just... That's what you're ingesting, baby goats. I mean, two of them are being set aside that we will eat them in about no, a year. No, no, they're doing the ingesting, but you're helping them ingest. It
1: is fascinating, because some of them are like fucking fighting each other to get access to the bottles like 100% fuck yeah give me this like climbing on top of me and I'm like you've already had a bottle and a half like fuck off like you were literally swollen at the belly and still trying to beat up your sister to get more of the like milk (laughs) and then others you have to like sit on and like pry their mouth open to, you are going to
2: eat. It feels like I'm waterboarding a baby goat. Like, I don't feel good about it. I mean, milkboarding probably more appropriate, but that sounds
1: bad. <laughs> it, it's not fun. Uh, but it, it takes up a lot of time, so we haven't been going through as much. Cece and I have been watching through Muppets Mayhem, which is the third or fourth time I've watched all the way through it. But the baby goats were being born when she and I first started it, so she never finished it. Hmm. But... It does mean that I have once again gotten to watch the Muppets trip on acid. I mean, uh expired marshmallows. What's some expired marshmallows? Got it. <laughs> These marshmallows expired in 1992. It's so fucking good. I, I fucking love that show. I did get the next volume of Since We're on Such an Anime Kick. Kubo Won't Let Me Be Invisible, which I've mentioned before, which is about a kid that literally, like, no one notices. Even fucking automatic doors won't pick him up. So he has to, like, go through outrageous actions to stay alive. To literally just stay alive. Like, his mom notices him, but only because she's basically built up a tolerance over the years to his, like, semi-invisibility powers. <laughs> what the fuck
2: is this? this sounds and then interesting, he as well, randomly
1: yeah. meets this girl who's like, how does no one notice you? What the fuck? <laughs> and so there's a run. She just starts doing this like running game of like, what can I do to this guy to make people notice him? What can I like get away with? And like, you know, cause it's a high school anime. It'll be stuff like, Oh, sitting in his lap during the whole like conversation she has with people or, and it slowly is developing into a romance and it's really sweet and it's just relaxing. And I just really appreciate relaxing slice of life
2: anime lately so fucking adorable oh man now i gotta remember the name of that anime i want to re- recommend to you it's a slice of life anime about well, a girls walk to school every day oh that sounds amazing i'm super into it i did finish another
1: slice of life anime called oh god i can never pronounce it shirisai san something like that wants to be Noticed or something. It, it, it is fucking almost close to. Kuba won't let me be invisible. And it's literally about just this super like. Nice but normal guy. Who a girl gets a crush on him. And fucking. Wings in hard. <laughs> like. Fucking pay attention to me. And it's really cute. And it does. Go about a. It's only four volumes long. So it's short. But it does go about a volume longer. And it needs to. I'm like alright. Wrap this shit up. You two are just. Just fuck already. Like it's. <laughs> it's. Um, And then just today I listened to Dungeons and Daddies is a a podcast that I've been listening to. It's a a real play D&D podcast. And they did on their Patreon a bonus episode called Sons and Sons Ability that is a (laughs) three-episode arc in Regency England. Oh, man. That is all about, like, these characters. The setup is a Jane Austen novel, and they immediately, like kick down any concept of realism, and go off
2: the rails. But it's so fucking funny. The only time I've ever been interested in anything Regency era.
0: My mom... Are they rigging the election of a rotten borough?
1: Fucking Blackadder. <laughs> uh, yeah, Blackadder Season 3 that takes place in Regency England is perfect. But my mom, when I was growing up, watched a bunch of fucking Jane Austen movies. Persuasion, Emma... Sense and Sensibility, Pride and Prejudice, fucking all of them. Oh, yeah. So even if I'm not wildly into the world or whatever, I do have real affection for the, like, feel of things because it's very comfortable. It it kind of brings me back to childhood. So watching these fucking dipshits, they're all amazingly talented creators. Like, the DM was the, I want to say the lead writer on Borderlands 2. Anthony Birch. Uh, the others did like Rocket Jump and Video Game High School. They're great. I yeah. really love uh, Dungeons & Daddies, But the way they play games, they're aware that they are just kind of like a bumbling idiots kicking down the door and seeing what happens.
0: I do. I want I had two other things to mention for real it. quick because I, I did beat the Mad Max game.
1: Oh, yeah, you've been working on that for a while.
0: I probably could have beat it a couple of weeks ago, but there was a couple of things I wanted to get done. I didn't go hardcore, like, 100%ing it, but... Is that I why wanted you're playing to...
1: Borderlands now?
0: Oh, yeah. And, and dude, as soon as I finished the Mad Max <laughs> game, I'm like, I do not need to put any more of my life in this. I, like, re the map really quick to make sure there was nothing else I wanted to get done. And then uninstalled. And then bought Borderlands. Pretty much. No, um... It was, it, dude, the game super slept on, though. The game is really, really good. There was a part in the storyline that I could see coming a million miles away, and it still hit me pretty hard, when it actually happened. So, dug that.
2: I heard it's a great game.
0: Um, the action's fun. It's, yeah. And it's, like, always on sale now, because it's seven years old. And, and no one fucking bought it, so why yeah. the fuck not? Yeah. Um, and I hit the end credits slash beat. Uh, Vampire Survivors. Oh, nice. As much as you can beat Vampire Survivors? Yeah. Um, there's still a few, like, secret characters for me to unlock. Um, I did buy the second DLC. I did a couple runs in that the other day, and it's a lot of fun, but, um, Queen Sigma is super OP and a lot of fun to use, and hit me my first, like, oh, god, I don't know, it was like a 400,000 kill game? Yeah, I I don't know how to measure those.
2: That game anymore.
1: is fucking insane. That's just I do still want to like if I ever threw an actual like big party dance party kind of thing, just set that on up on background. my projector and just have it as the like background. Like, yeah, it's the same way that I went to a, a live show that was doing awesome, like dance to music and they had fucking Looney Tunes on a projector in the background. And I felt bad because I just started watching
0: the Looney Tunes. <laughs> like, instead. that's a good episode.
2: Yeah, that's fucking great. <laughs>
0: Cool. And now I'm done.
2: I have one more thing that I uh, ingested, and it was that I finally started fucking watching Ted Lasso season three. It's incredible, and I'm loving it. I am, like, on episode eight or nine. Uh, I've gotten past the Amsterdam episode. I love the Amsterdam episode It was so so incredible. There's been so many episodes that are just, like, fucking nonstop laughs for me. Like... I still think it's the weakest season and probably the most uneven, but that it's
1: still better than, like, 90% of shows I watch, so I don't mean that as, like, a, you
2: know... I am going to ref- refrain from further judgment until I finish it, but I do... The only thing so far that seems uneven is is Jack's storyline. Do not like... I'm not supposed to like her. Um, oh, the last last episode I watched was the episode where uh, Keely uh, gets leaked.
1: Oh, okay. That might be my least favorite episode of the series. And it's not that it's
2: bad. It's just it was. Though I fucking love Jamie in that. His, Jamie's fucking great in that. That was a thing where I was like, damn, Jamie has a lot of fucking growth this season. Mm-hmm.
0: We'll talk about it when you finish it up. But yeah. yeah, that's. Well, so I think some of the. Because I felt it too. I feel like some of the unevenness in this season, when I look back on it, is that the third season is the only season that feels like it actually takes place over the amount of time that it's supposed to fair enough
1: also its part of it is the uh, who was uh Brian Lawrence who made scrubs and mm-hmm. spin city and edited the first two seasons almost exclusively wasn't nearly as involved in this one because he was making um that Harrison Ford oh shrinking shrinking yes and you can feel it that it's being edited by someone else. The pacing is different, the and that's not necessarily bad. I didn't. I, I heard a lot of complaints about like this episode was an hour long. I'm like, yeah, but fucking, they used every moment of that hour. So cool. yeah,
2: like that's not been an issue for me at all. Like the pacing of the episodes,
1: but just, I am the also pacing like watching is, like
2: maybe one episode a night, if that, and I'm like really taking my time to watch. This but
1: the season. pacing is different enough from the other seasons that it does. I do
2: feel I haven't the difference. made an attempt to try and binge this show, though I will say I can fucking easily rip through season one and two in a sitting. Mm-hmm. I usually do when I watch Ted
1: Lasso, but yeah, I've never tried to. One, it would be off at least a full day investment.
0: I do re- recommend shrinking, though, since we. I really it up. want to watch shrinking. It's a lot of fun. Harrison Ford is really fucking good in it.
2: Also, that's got um, Jason Segel. Jason Segel, mm-hmm. and I've never not enjoyed him in whatever I see him in. He's always fucking good. Mm-hmm. I just remember whatever the fucking episode Brett Goldstein wrote for season three. Fucking hilarious. Lost my shit throughout the entire Which one did episode. He... I can't I'm trying to find it out right now, but like I I like ended up looking it up. I think it's the one that has the time jump in it where they're like where uh Zava's like playing for them. That episode's mm. pretty funny. Zava.
1: We will it We've done Ted Lasso
0: season one And I think two Yeah so, so. we'll have to do a season three at some point and do it Oh deeper.
1: no
2: uh,
0: I guess I'll have to come back for that mm-hmm. one Just join the fucking
2: podcast already <laughs> Steven I mean I do <laughs> want to be a left Lieutenant general <laughs> Mostly because it irks you And also oh I love God. pronouncing it oh.
1: Alright we're going to take a quick break And <laughs> when we come back We will talk about Vampire Hunter D Bloodlust okay so as i said earlier this is a surprisingly foundational movie for me i mentioned this to you at work the number of totally not vampire hunter d characters i quote unquote created in middle school when like learning to be original with like making stuff but i doubt i've seen this movie in like 15 years 10 years at least i completely forgot how buck fucking wild this movie is I fully did that with Spawn now that you said that out loud. My (laughs) brain just remembered some stuff. The number of, like, spawn-not-spawn spawn characters you made up? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Big red cape every
1: time. <laughs> Always in, like, a black fucking He's totally flesh. not D. He just happens to have the same hat, sword, and cape and fights monsters.
2: Not vampires. Not monsters. Monsters. <laughs> not to be mistaken with the monsters that Vampire Hunter D fights, but different monsters. <laughs> different monsters. He fights those monsters in vampires. Yeah, not Barbaroid. Monsters. Also, because I just,
1: you know, when I watched this show, I uh, as much as I did back in the day, I didn't really pay attention to voice actors and stuff as much. I did not realize that Johnny D voices half the fucking cast.
0: Yeah. Um, This this episode... Almost didn't happen because I was like, you know, we could do Vampire Hunter D Bloodlust, but I know you already did it on Fried Squirms. I'm like, oh, no, I'm I'm 100 percent down <laughs> to were, talk about this again.
1: <laughs> you were. Well, because I saw you guys were doing it. I was like, fuck, that's a Fried
2: Squirms episode I would have come here for.
0: <laughs>
2: and so now we do a third one where we're all on a Fried Squirms and General Nerdery mashup.
1: Maybe that maybe we'll do that for the original Vampire Hunter D or something, which I also
2: watched a lot. I don't know if it's fried squirms material because I've never seen it, so we'll find out. There's a
1: lot of blood oh. and some tits. It's not that this is necessarily a fried squirms
2: thing, it's just... It is comes tits up a fried squirms thing? Because in... if it is, I, I Horror it. movies have a lot of tits. I mean, it's definitely in the um, uh, it's in the content warning stuff or whatever.
0: You know, there was tits in Singapore Sling. Gross. Real yeah, gross. Yeah, real gross.
2: <laughs> I'm not saying it's a good thing. I'm <laughs> there were tits
0: to- in The Shining. Really?
2: Yeah. Real gross. I mean,
0: <laughs> I bet
2: there's someone who's into that.
0: Moving on. I came to Vampire Hunter D late enough that it's not really foundational for me. Yeah, I But was 12. this style of character is my shit through and through. And so as soon as I did find Vampire Hunter D, I went real hard in the paint. Well, um, yeah, he's
2: cyberpunk
0: Blade. Yeah, yeah he's also post apocalyptic solomon kane
2: I love the post
0: apocalyptic
2: fucking angle here, especially that it's like vampires have now rebuilt the earth and subsequently built humanity in their own likeness and because they wanted to fucking just keep rolling as like king god shit vampires, but they've hit their they hit their fucking they peaked they peaked this is incredible fucking storytelling that I this this was my first time watching this movie this week was for this podcast so did you have any relationship with D before this no not at all okay Um, other than having heard the fried squirms episode which unfortunately I didn't I was pretty baked when I listened to so I forgot it Um,
1: well now you can re-listen with context we were pretty
0: baked when we recorded
1: (laughs) really on fried squirms (laughs) what I yeah. am so shocked. Okay, I'm
2: i disappointed. <laughs> only You're smoking now, shut pretty, up. Only <laughs> oh okay. <laughs> Not completely obliterated.
0: Uh, also doing this episode gave me the best excuse in the world to go and start uh, buying up all the novels again. So I have the first omnibus edition and actually read uh, Demon Death Chase this weekend. That's the one this is get based ready. off, right? Yeah. Okay.
1: So Yes, okay, real quick.
0: Vampire Hunter D
1: is originally a novel series written by please tell me who. The
0: uh, name. Yoshitaka Amano.
1: No, that's No, the no, no, sorry.
0: Hideyuki Kikuchi. Sorry, I was looking Hideyuki at the wrong Kikuchi side. of this.
1: <laughs> With illustrations in the novel by Yoshitaka <laughs> Amano, best known for doing a lot of the final Fantasy design artwork which is wild because it always then turned into 8-bit that looks fucking nothing like his work, <laughs> but he still gets credit. Also, I want to say he did a Sandman story at one point, but uh, I'm not
0: Sandman the Dream Hunters.
1: That's it. Just absolutely gorgeous. I have an art book of his Vampire Hunter D artwork, and it's so fucking impossibly so, gorgeous.
2: Fucking beautiful, gorgeous designs. I, I I really love the that era of. Ooh, that cover art for this omnibus is super gorgeous. That's because it's Yoshitaka Amano. Yeah, him and Neil Gaiman do great work. This is an era of, a, of anime that I really really like. The animation style. It's it's kind of where I started to get into anime a lot of the, like. Yeah, this came out in two thousand, so I was twelve.
1: I was. So this is based off the th- the one we're doing third. here is Demon Death Chase, which is the third novel. The the original movie, which came out in nineteen eighty five, was based off the first novel, and it looks wildly different because it's that nineteen eighty five style of anime, very much a completely different style the of anime. Is,
0: different uh, director,
1: I believe. I yes. different everything. Yeah. D has yeah. built like a brick
2: shit house in that first movie. He's so big. This is one f- uh, this one's from Mad Studios, right? Or Madhouse. Ooh. I probably got that wrong. It's probably Bones. Madhouse, which they do a lot of fucking good anime. Mm. Now, this one's interesting
1: also because it is a surprisingly uh international production setup. Like a lot of it was done in America and with English cast. It's almost impossible to get the Japanese.
0: Yeah, so that's actually really interesting. This is one of the few weird Japanese productions where the English voice was what it was matched to because the English recording was recorded like 3 years before the Japanese voice recording and since it's been put out the some of the rights issues are really weird and the company that basically owns the rights to the japanese voice cast has made it so that it can only be released on the japanese editions of the movie
2: strange
0: weird i remember because i mean when i watched
1: this it, well, i mean wikipedia existed but it was before it had the fucking 20 years of see,
2: history so this is why i was I think this was in the last episode when we were talking about Blue Beetle. Um, uh, So last week's episode, um, uh, we were talking about uh, anime being licensed. Oh, that's the trailer
0: episode that they listened to probably like two or three weeks ago. Two or three weeks ago. Sweet. (laughs) Um, uh,
2: So we mentioned briefly how anime was licensed in Mexico and how it was more feasibly accessible there. That's counter to my understanding of it. Like the fact that shit is just like license locked to certain people and you're never going to fucking see it as the way I understand anime in a lot of contexts. That's more so what I hear of. Like, oh well, if you want to watch it, you just gotta watch it. Um uh, you gotta watch it in Japanese, and there's no sub or dub. You're just gonna have to learn Japanese. <laughs> Go fuck yourself. This little bit that I read, because it was
1: released in it was released only released theatrically in an English language version. On the Japanese theatrical release, it was subtitled in Japanese. And it was, it premiered on September 23rd, 2001 in America, where it played in six theaters. It grossed $25,521 in this run and $151,086 in total. That's pretty good for a six-theater run. As far Uh, as I can tell. Making it the highest grossing Japanese film ever in a language other than Japanese. Damn. Which is just fascinating in 2023, where I'm used to fucking Marvel movies making if they only make a half billion, they
0: only did okay. I wonder if that got, if that record got beat by Sukiaki Western Django, because that's another Japanese movie where, so that one's interesting because it's a Japanese movie by a Japanese director, but he was making a Western. So he forced his entire cast to speak English. English. And some of them had knew no English whatsoever and had to do their lines completely phonetically. Oh my God. Oh my god!
2: I mean, that's how certain people didn't didn't fucking.
0: That's how Firefly did all their Chinese. Oh, but which also, is why like it's
2: on Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon doesn't. Uh... No, she she learned some basic Mandarin before she mm. did that. But I think one of them, one of the main cast members, like had to do all of it phonetically because he spoke a different version of. Mm. China has like eight languages um, exactly. in their country. And I, and I don't want to say the incorrect one may be incorrect, because he spoke He spoke one language, didn't speak the one they needed him spoke, so he had to do it all phonetically, is all I understand. And that like it happens more so than I ex- expect.
0: But in an entire
2: movie? Mm, well, his entire role. <laughs> yeah.
1: Also, in fairness, while and I'm laughing she... at that, the most expensive Japanese movie not Presented in Japanese is such an incredibly niche record.
2: To like, yeah, like what are the other <laughs> record? Apparently, holder. this fucking Django movie. Uh, uh, yeah,
0: good point. Yeah, Sukiyaki Western Django by Takashi Mika. Ah, oh, fucking Mika is so
2: good. That does sound interesting.
0: He's fucking great. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, great movie. Um, Vampire Hunter D. Yeah. So I've now read um all two versions of it that are out because at one point in the 2000s Hideyuki Kuchi also was doing a manga project with uh, getting his novels adapted into mangas and hand-selected like an artist to adapt and illustrate it and the only reason it didn't finish was because then that artist got into a really bad car crash and couldn't finish it.
1: That sucks. I actually just picked up it just arrived recently in like weird fucking timing. I backed a Vampire Hunter D American comic series on Kickstarter called Mission to Mars. Right. That has a bunch of... Admittedly, sadly, the covers are the best part of it in a lot of ways, because it's got, like, Jay Lee doing Mm. just fantastic fucking covers. Uh, The story itself is fine. It is the worst Vampire Hunter D thing I've ever read, but it's still fucking sweet, because it's still Vampire Hunter D. Um, As a quick, if you have never seen Vampire Hunter D, uh, I highly recommend you watch it probably before you go any further. But the basic concept of it is this is a as we mentioned, it is a world in the far future. Vampires have risen up. They've taken over the world. Their numbers are dwindling. Humans are taking the world back, I guessed. And this is a post apocalyptic kind of steampunk,
2: kind of cyberpunk. Vampire adventure, super gorgeous aesthetic to like spaceships and shit, and like I don't even know what i got. The robot horses, I cannot yeah, get over how much I love horses, the cyber so. horses. Like like a modern gothic like kind mm-hmm. of aesthetic to everything, but like cyber gothic punk-y. punk might actually be uh, the best way to explain gothic this. punk is probably the closest way to do it. But uh, the, I fucking love the opening sequence where you get title cards explaining everything, and you're just like floating through space, and you're seeing just like wreckages of like what looks like. Gothic architecture, but it's all fucking space stations and, like, starships and stuff. That was a trip for me, because if you watch
1: the original movie, they don't reveal that D is a Dunpeel, or damn as we know
0: that these By, um, I am going to just lay my foot down right now. I refuse to say Dunpeel. That was just uh, a result of the script being written in Japanese and immediately translated to English with a very poor localization. I'm just it's gonna stick with
1: because that's what I learned first. It's supposed and to be Dom
0: Peel so. the entire time. Also, his name is Myerling, not Myer Link. <laughs> Anyways. That did sound uh, super weird,
2: so I guess that makes sense.
1: D is one of those worlds where you can tell a main character, because all of the, like, background characters just have, like, standard kind of western look, and then someone fucking rolls in looking like, uh... Oh, I can't think of her name. Um, Layla? Layla. With <laughs> the fucking <laughs> cyberpunk, bright red leather look. I love the fucking motorcycle she takes off the fucking RV. That stresses me out, but we'll talk about it in a sec. But to finish what it's saying, uh, D is a Dunpeel hunter. He is a half-human, half-vampire. The son of Dracula. Uh, or the Vampire King, or... Whoever you want to call it. The sacred ancestor. In the original one, it is straight up Dracula. So they don't say it here, but in other D stuff, it's Dracula. It's it's Dracula. Uh Uh-huh. And he goes around being a fucking badass, and he has a demon in his left hand whose origin, as far as I know, has never even been attempted to be explained. It's, I think, implied once that his dad did it to him.
0: You, so... This actually links into this story. It doesn't happen in the anime that we watched, but you run into another one of the parasites that Left Hand is. Oh, fuck yeah. That's what Mashira actually is. Which one was Mashira? The werewolf. Oh. They changed him in the anime to be a werewolf, but he's actually a body switcher that is one of the left, like the same kind of parasites.
1: Left Hand is one of my favorite characters in anime
0: because he's just
1: oh man, that might be the best thing the Kickstarter ever did. They did temporary tattoos and they're all left hand's face.
2: Oh. oh, that's really
0: good. That's good. I There's, they you know, they set it up really well. There's a couple little details that I learned from reading the book that is wild. Yeah, so the stories all take place in at least the year 12,091 because that's when the first book is set. And it's unclear how much time happens in between uh, each book.
2: I was reading up a little bit on the Wikipedia just to, like, understand a little bit more to, like... Because, like I said, this is the first movie I didn't Mm -hmm. see anything else and unfamiliar with it. Um, But, like, there's... big time jumps apparently in the novels but also like it then like sets up like a firm date of like this is when this is fucking taking place oh and then also like there's a huge 10,000 year jump in between somewhere here oh shit i didn't know that i mean randomly it's been uh, uh, over assumption but it's, there's like a big time jump I at mean
1: randomly they in between scenes in this and it's just at the very end they do have a like 60 year
0: Mm-hmm. It's
2: gorgeous. God, that final scene's beautiful. And also, the implication that he's been doing this for a while because the fucking old guy that he buys the horse from is like, recognized was a, him as a was kid. A kid. Yeah.
0: So, D is at least 5,000 years old. It's unclear exactly how old he is, but it's for sure he's not like a full 10,000, which was. That number's only significant because 10,000 years before is when. Dracula ran around doing a, a couple items that set up for shit that Dee runs into later on in some of the stories. Yeah, isn't it supposed to be that, like,
2: 1999 is when the nuclear holocaust happens or or sometime around that tracks for a series
1: written in the 80s Mm -hmm. um uh, oh also om shinrikyo was big during that time and they had a whole lot
2: of like the end of the world is happening in 99 really love that concept of that like vampires were just like working out in the shadows beforehand just like yo dude this they're fucking going to explode themselves let's set up some bunkers and get everything set up grendel does the same fucking thing
0: yeah um, and the, then the war against the vampires, this was the part I didn't know. The war of humanity against the nobility lasted over a thousand years. Well,
1: I'm going to Barnes and Noble to find some Vampire Hunter D shit after this. Cause
2: I did not know any of this fucking backstory. Yeah. Like there's a bunch of interesting world building that is just like, oh yeah, that's just the foundational shit that we're not even going to really talk about because we're just mostly interested in all of that is foundational to this character that we're going to tell you about Vampire Hunter D
0: the vampires essentially set up an entire vampire civilization so there was hundreds of thousands of vampires which means you need people for them to feed off of but
2: they had also created they had apparently also created like synthetic blood that they didn't need people they literally just like i don't want coke zero i want coke original
0: and in fairness
2: that sentence makes me get it
0: and had essentially I knew created to to like a <laughs> giant super technological post-scarcity world that the humans over the course of a thousand years had to systematically dismantle in order to choke off the nobility to be able to take them down. That's fucking cool.
1: wild, Wild shit. Okay.
0: (laughs) Uh, Real quick for this story.
1: The basic concept is incredibly simple. D is hired by a man because his daughter has been quote unquote kidnapped by the vampire Meyer link. I know it's supposed to be Meyerling, but I'm just going with what they said in the show. <laughs> Voiced by John DiMaggio. Voiced by John DiMaggio, the first of, as I said, about eight different roles played by Johnny D. Uh, and uh, the he is warned that a other group of vampire hunters have also been hired. The the something Marcus brothers. brothers. Marcus brothers.
0: Uh, Johnny D. Didn't do Meyerling. That's no, John Rafferty. He
1: did the dad.
0: Johnny oh D did yeah, the yeah, dad. the dad. Okay, yeah.
1: And one of the Marcus brothers, I think. One of the Marcus uh, brothers, and also the sheriff. And the and sheriff,
0: <laughs> Sheriff Bender. One of the. He also
1: played the werewolf man, which is funny because he's Jake. The dog was the werewolf man, and that's why I did not bother re- relearning. And that I think dude's he played. Name.
2: I think he does another voice of one of the monsters, but I can't remember which one. He does a lot of voices. He's very good in this. Oh, he's great. A surprising amount of range too. Not
1: surprising because Johnny D. I just like I I hear his voice and my brain goes to like. Three different
2: roles. But also, like, I can hear his voice and hearing him doing his voice in different versions of Jake the dog. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I was like, that's Jake the dog as an old
1: man. Side note, werewolf with a giant mouth in its stomach, even though he's, like, the easiest to defeat of all of the uh, Barbaroi, is such a, like, creepy visual that I love it.
0: Yeah. The, the giant mouth is a reference to the fact that he was one of those parasites in the book. That tracks. It's just super creepy. Mm-hmm. Uh
1: that's super fucking cool though, the design of it. Big shocking thing, the fucking uh the the girl Charlotte. I hate how they pronounce that. <laughs> Charlotte Charlotte. Come back to me, Charlotte. Charlotte is uh actually in love with Meyer Link and completely ignoring the fact that he is old school vampire who was clearly murdered. Many people. And he's like, I think told her that. He She's nothing. like, how many people did you kill? Has he killed? None. I'm like, this opened with, he killed all of your brother's dumbass friends that went with him. That was 50 people.
2: But he's like constantly telling her like, hey, yo, I'm a vampire. I'm, you don't want what I got. But yeah, look.
1: But the I story love is, you
2: so fucking much. The story is sweet. Charlotte's a fucking dumbass. I'm sorry. My bigger
1: question Charlotte, is. Charlotte. Uh, voiced by this?
0: Wendy Lee. Who's great. Bulma.
1: Not ah. just Bulma. Dude. Yeah, no, she's a ton of shit. Her list was insane. What the f... Faye Valentine. Yes,
0: that's the other one. Nice. That's the other one I was going to get to. And
1: there's another... There's a third, fourth one, I guess, that was listed that was like, how are you... Oh, TK from Digimon.
0: Right.
1: The kid with Patamon. (laughs) Fucking... That arc of characters, (laughs) like, Jesus. Yeah, no, the cast in this is absolutely
2: phenomenal. They're always great. I love voice actors. They're incredibly talented. They are not always great. There's plenty of ones are like, uh, oh, cool. you had 20 bucks to fi- hire these, didn't you? And, yeah, and then they're noticeable, but then there's a lot of really good I, voice yes, actors. Yes, no, I agree. And I rep.
1: am also a big fan of voice actors. I just, this is a particularly good cast. Possibly the worst is Bengi, and he does everything right in being a, like, frustrating,
2: shrieky thing. Uh, Reginald Barclay plays... How?
0: That's yeah, Mark- Mad Murdoch.
2: <laughs> Dwight Sch- Schultz, that's great.
1: Lieutenant Barclay, is he He plays Bengi? Yeah. Yeah. No, he does great. I just, his voice grates on me. In fairness, so does Dwight Schultz. But let's talk a little bit about the Marcus. I don't really feel like walking through this. Like chronologically? Too much. Cause cause it's it's also,
2: it feels like it's kind of just like random set pieces that like are sewn together. It's, it's... like Blade Two in that route, but better oh it definitely feels
0: like chronologically like they're chasing them i was going to ask if you guys noticed the fact that this is just a riff on the third act of dracula
1: i did not because i haven't read dracula since i was a kid i did not either
0: so instead of dracula running you know stealing mina and running away with her charlotte
1: ran off with her on purpose. charlotte ran
0: off on purpose but he's still employing uh the aid to get in the way of the pursuers, the Barbaroi stand in place of the Romani that Dracula uses.
1: That's significantly less problematic.
0: And there's a couple other, um, there's a big change from the book that the the book makes it a little bit clearer that there's like a parallel going on Mm -hmm. in the fact that um, they're able to track Dracula at the end using Mina because she's been bitten and so she knows where Dracula's at. Yeah. Because of the connection. When you find out just how terrible everybody is, from the Marcuses to the Barbaroi, the other uh Mashira, the, mm-hmm. the other thing gets his like influence in her. So that's how he's tracking.
1: Interesting. Okay.
0: To sort of do a, a mirrored parallel there.
2: That's interesting.
1: Let's talk about the Marcuses a little bit. They are... I don't know. It, I, I keep going back to Blade 2 because... They definitely feel like the Blood Pack.
0: Well, yeah, right. Well, well, and they
1: came out at the same fucking time. And I don't think one was ripping off the other. I think they just unilaterally came
0: up with- Oh, no. See, here's the thing. Um, I think... Guillermo del Toro was very specifically referencing at least Nolt Marcus, the one voiced by Johnny D with the big-ass hammer and the fucking... The fucking influence of giant
1: vampire hunters with big-ass hammers
0: on me. Uh, because... Specifically because when he references his influences in the commentary for Blade Two, he references Demon City, Shinjuku, and Wicked City... Also which, a Madhouse movie. Uh both also written by Hideyuki Kikuchi and directed by the same director.
1: Okay. Dumb. But not but probably not directly based off Nolt Marcus, because they
0: probably just something really close. Because okay. Nolt has been changed a little bit from the book. Um he doesn't use a hammer for one. The but... hammer's
1: so cool. I'm not surprised he dies
0: the first, but I just it, it's they're
1: so similar to each other. And they came out within a year. hmm I mean, and this was started in like ninety five, but it didn't come out till two thousand. And Blade Two came out at what, two
0: thousand one? Yeah, I mean he might have been directly referencing this. It's possible. I just it, it it's so I think so he hard was. I think he just name checks those other two because those are what he grew up with because they're a little bit older of works compared to even the first Vampire Hunter D movie. hmm So there's four Marcus's brothers. There's Kyle Knoltz. Orgoff,
2: Orgoff and Grove, and they got Layla. Layla, what's her name? Yeah, Layla. Layla. Layla, she's she's rolling with them.
1: Who? Side note, I don't usually am like, who would live action play this? But Layla should be played by like 1987 season one next gen Denise Crosby, who played Tasha Yar. Oh, hundred percent. I don't know. I randomly was looking at her Nailed haircut that. and was like, oh shit, that's
2: that's Tasha. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Sorry, no. I didn't mean to completely derail you there. I just undeniable there. <laughs> I don't even know what I was talking about now. Uh, the four brothers. Oh yeah, four brothers. Uh, you have uh, the main brother. I forget it. Is that. Morgoth. Morgoth. Who's got like a fucking really cool ass like a wrist? Um, uh, it's just a little wrist crossbow that he's randomly that he's really good at. Yeah. <laughs> he's, like, like, really fucking good at it. He's like, okay, I'm gonna track you. You're way too far away. Uh, gotcha. It's
1: hardcore anime shit of, like, he's launching thousands of those little crossbow bolts, and then, like, one is a fucking heat sinker. Like,
0: so this is another... Finally, using this as an excuse to read it, it's anime shit, but it's not. So... Yeah, I was curious to know more about the I also the don't mean anime
1: me shit as a negative. It's no, really no, 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 no.
0: No, what I mean is like we we recognize it as being from anime, like all these different mm-hmm. action tropes and like, you know, like everything you were pointing out about the action. That's the dude's writing style. And depending on the action trope you're talking about, it is arguable that it may have originated in With the Vampire Hunter D Oh, that's so novels. fucking
1: cool. Oh my God, I love that.
0: The way he describes all of the action in these books is like, one-to-one what we grew up with watching in crazy action anime.
2: Because this fucking, like, uh, Kyle Marcus, his little fucking swords that turn into, like, a giant ninja star type thing very much felt like something that I saw in Naruto. Um, and I very much liked his fucking random just red-headed motherfucker just out I there with his eyes. I did even realize,
1: think of it as a ninja star for some reason, and you're right. It's hard it to say what it like is, but gorsh, I went to cross. like,
2: like Yeah, like a cross, but also, like, Also, like four kunai that, like kunai knives that, like turn into a big ass fucking throwing star cross that he really does fucking damage with. Real quick
1: on Borgoff, and then I do want to talk about Kyle a little bit. Borgoff, two things: one, the amount that he made me think of uh, Jet from Cowboy Bebop kind of surprised (laughs) me. Two, that scene where he fires the fucking single crossbow bolt and D catches it like two inches from his face, like the the most
0: iconic. Vampire Hunter D frame. In it is history. the most
1: beautiful thing I have watched in an anime, in an animation thing, in a fucking long ass time. And it was from 20 years ago. It is. I got a little emotional watching it, and I knew that scene was coming, and I was excited, mm-hmm. but like, oh fuck, I forgot.
2: That's where I texted you guys last night. I'm, this is so <laughs> fucking cool! They were all fucking... I really loved the Marcus brothers and mm-hmm. like, all of their individual designs. But... Kyle sucks. I'm sorry. But... I, Kyle <laughs> was the, for some reason, the one that I do think is the shittiest of all four of them, but also the one that I really was here for. I don't know why.
1: Uh, He's kind of the whiniest.
2: You know, he reminds me of my, one of my favorite characters from Yu Yu Hakusho... The, uh, the very dumb one with the red hair who has the light sword. Yeah. Mm. Um, and I, I didn't put that together. And he, that's probably why I like him. He
1: also has the full, like, cat catsuit bodysuit with the chest exposed that just looks uncomfortable to me. It really does, doesn't it? Oh. Yeah, like, that's going to cause some chafing on your head, chest and maybe your nipples. She makes just, fun like, of Layla's, like, do you know how sexy you look in your full tight leather suit? And I'm like, you're going to make fun of her? You're Red, skin-tight
2: suit. You look real sexy in here, skin-tight legs. Except
1: suit. you don't. You look terrible. But uh, uh, Yeah. I hate all of
0: that. <laughs> ter- terrible. Okay, fine. Whatever.
1: I mean, I, everyone's got their own taste. It's
2: definitely not Boner City over here.
0: <laughs> oh, What? It's just... They're... Ter- they're so much more terrible in the book, and since I just got done reading it this morning, it's not good. <laughs> at, at all. The Marguses are all... Fucking horrendous, terrible monsters, and they're they're not initially in this.
1: Although the scene on the bridge, yeah, makes very them much just like let's cruel. just
2: let her die, and we'll fucking get our money and get out of here. And I'm
1: torturing much- this, and like I'm not defending Meyer Link. He is maybe the coolest vampire in fiction, but that's because I don't think highly of many vampires. Uh, but. Shooting him in the, like, knees was the part that I was like, I don't know why. That made be directly
2: yeah. uncomfortable. I don't care for torture unless I... That's it. Yep, it, it, it's, it's the it, torture. I don't, I don't, care don't torture. know why that was... There's very rare situations where I was like, okay, yeah, it seems just fine. You should probably torture this person before you kill them. Don't torture people. It's very rare. <laughs> I've, the one time I can think of it is The Man With No Name, which is a fucking great Korean revenge uh, movie that is fucking incredible. They spend the entire movie setting up like, oh, all of these people, they're fucking terrible monsters. Last ten, 20 minutes of it, we're just going to fucking slay them. Don't worry. You're going <laughs> to love it.
1: Yeah, I think Kyle is the most like enjoying the cruelty. And maybe that's why I dislike him. The and most. now he's he my is. favorite because he did definitely is that. Uh, Nolt is probably my favorite of them because I just enjoy big lugs with a big <laughs> hammer.
2: But he also gets murked. Real quick.
1: Yeah, he's also the most useless of In them. both versions. because like, everyone quick. else, Kyle... I, one, I do fucking have to kind of laugh when they're like, Okay, all the vampires are attacking. Let's get ready. Let's go. Fucking Borgoff takes out 98% of them, and then the other three take out, like,
2: two, and they're like, Yep, we've done our jobs. Uh, more importantly, I, what I need to know more is, can, what can you tell me about fucking Grove from the book? Because he's a dude who's just, like, in a fucking hospital bed, sickly and pale who
1: can like send out his soul as a ghost
0: that shoots lasers.
1: What more do you need to know?
0: That's pretty much all you even get told in the book. So you <laughs> do get a what? little, so here's magic. It's imp, it's implied in the book. First off, um, magic in the anime, like Layla mentions joining the Marcus clan. Mm-hmm. They are all siblings in the book that she's their sister. They're all brothers. They all had the same parents. Oh, interesting.
1: Oh, so they all have the same parent backstory, too? Or? Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: And it's implied a couple times but never confirmed that their father had a gift for uh, genetic manipulation. And that's why they're all superpowers.
2: I mean, it's all, I think from what I read of the Wikipedia, it's, like, set up that, like, genetic manipulation is mm-hmm. definitely a thing in this universe of, like...
0: It's definitely a thing, but generally you Like, need,
2: vampires were doing it, and that's how they created the Dumpires, uh, Are
0: Dumpires just happen. Kind um of. The big thing is that Dracula, a lot of the... A lot of... The, not a lot, but a number of things that D ends up running into over the course of his journeys are...
1: Dracula. By blows
0: of... Dracula's experiments where he was trying to create vampires that could go out in the sunlight. Got it. He was trying to create daywalkers. dampiers are naturally daywalkers, and it is eventually revealed that D is not just a Dampier, he was also genetically manipulated by Dracula.
2: That may have been someone that was red that was for me.
0: Yeah, okay. Interesting. Yeah. But they were all manipulated by their father, supposedly, but it's never like a hundred percent clear.
2: Yeah, I don't get I don't think uh Nolt will get that big without some um, sort of juice
0: and so Does Grove have, like, wires
2: attached to him too, or
1: am I just I think they all had like
2: it felt like they all had like a like a microphone wire. Well, they did have that. But. Ju- it, but like it felt like it was going into their body in a way that felt yeah cybernetic.
0: But Grove you basically know that as it does seem like a couple of times in the book, like, he can become a little bit less ghosty. Like, he's a little bit more corporeal than he seems when he's in his spirit form. And he can actually, like, interact with shit, but not, like, super well. And when he's doing that, he's super flighty and kind of, like, kind of just living in the moment not and has, like, a hard time of, like, thinking of his actual goals and stuff. But, yeah, can just shoot death beams. Yeah. They don't explain it anymore. Thanks more than, to okay. science
1: magic, he's a ghost that shoots lasers. He's perfect.
2: I mean... I didn't feel like the movie did a great job of telling me that other than through visually like he's a flying ghost man who was like in a bed sickly and now he's a flying ghost man. Um, I wanted that to be explained a little bit more, I guess, but.
0: Fair enough. It never does. Okay.
1: This is also from an era of movies where they didn't feel nearly as strong a need to explain everything. They give you enough information to know what's going on. That man and has a big hammer, that man has a ghost. The bla- Not an issue.
2: In that I, mm-hmm. like, no, I no, didn't, you're good. I, I enjoyed the movie, and like I thought it was fucking cool as shit. I was just hoping that it was like maybe there's some more insight from the book that Tyler read is more where I'm getting at, more so.
0: And the thing with the books is that they are light novels, so that means standard tends to be around 50,000 words and are uh, the, a closer equivalent to like old like pulp fiction novels and stuff so they kind of move along as well with the same sort of pacing where there's not a lot of time for super in-depth detail if something seems like it's neat then it'll be mentioned in passing and then it'll just go on to the next action or like big story change beat or something they're pretty sweet though
2: Interesting.
1: in the same way that i enjoy pulp novels yeah um did you have a favorite scene?
0: Yeah. Well, one of my favorite things, one of my favorite things hand down in this movie is the way that D actually approaches the shelter. Uh, the first, the the hidden shelter that Meyer Link has. Oh, yeah. It's all like. in the,
1: the half, the hiding house oh, or something. Right the hiding house. That's so gorgeous. And flicking the stones to show the yeah.
0: lasers. It's a lot cooler than what happens in the book. Like, they actually make it interactive and D doing something cool. The reason he wears that blue pendant is because it's nob- nobility technology. And it means that most of their defenses just won't lock on him. <laughs> so in the book, he literally just walks up to it no problem. But you notice how they were all, like, the eyeballs shooting and the uh-huh. lasers? The reason I love this is because it ties in to one of my favorite little bits of vampire lore. He was just using a ton of little things, right? mm uh-huh. Oh, and the he counting. Was, he was making them count.
1: Vampires in a oh, lot no, of Oh no, I not remember. If, if in case you don't listener, vampires have an intrinsic need to count. So one way to defeat vampires in old lore was literally to just scatter things across the floor and they like had a to bag like it or something. Yeah. Uh, this would be a place to talk about you mentioned loving that fucking one-wheeled motorcycle
2: monstrosity that's super fucking cool, don't get me wrong. Oh yeah. No, the like the tech design in this world, like human design, super fucking interesting and like very very Gundam-esque military kind of focused feel to it like very you like purposefully like military kind of designs to a lot of it like the whole RV was fucking bitchin looking mm-hmm. um also the RV getting taken down that whole uh I love you calling it an RV <laughs> What do they call
1: it <laughs> the tank <laughs> it just it makes it sound like it's a
2: fucking like family vacation <laughs> vampire hunter style someone didn't watch Ben 10 I didn't Okay, well, they have an RV in there and okay. It's pretty much a tank. I'm sorry keep i
0: just I only know that because of the toys, but uh um. Ben ten head dope toys that we were selling while I worked at Kmart so dude Ben 10 fucking slaps it's a real good show you Um, being
1: like two years younger than me is why you're more into Ben 10 than I was because I was just old enough to be like I don't watch cartoons which fucking liar (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah no
2: I I I hit that point too but also it was mostly just like I don't watch those cartoons anymore
1: I don't watch cartoons ooh Kim Possible was on (laughs) yeah that's because Kim Possible fucking slaps yeah no. okay anyways
2: one wheeled motorcycle I loved it it was fucking cool. I just really like the designs of uh, all of the technology in this. Like when the fucking old dude, when he's buying the horse from the old guy. he, pulls <laughs> he out the fucking like bazooka. It, it feels <laughs> yeah. like something that he's working on that he's scavenged from a larger fucking fighting mag.
0: Dude, that old guy saved that entire town's life. Oh, yeah.
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: Real quick on the motorcycle thing. So we've talked about this before of there's always one place where your suspension of disbelief stops. That she's going like 80 through the woods on this one-wheeled motorcycle and launches on the side of the hiding house or whatever it's called, resting house, and like drives along it, no problems to me whatsoever. The fact that she's doing this while firing a bazooka
2: is the part where I was like, get the fuck out of here. Like But the the motorcycle's got an auto uh like balancing thing so sure. it can stay up on just, uh, on one
1: wheel motorcycle stuff because i ride motorcycles is where my suspension of disbelief is
2: most likely to stop but it's got one wheel so it's not a motorcycle it's yes that
1: means i know it's even more dangerous
2: it's a motorized unicycle nope you're not going to make this one work oh no i know i'm just going to keep <laughs> talking until i don't <laughs> this,
0: this is okay, another one where I'm... i kind of like it more than the book the book it's her, her customized battle car that's the way that it is described moving i can't actually imagine in my head it seems like she's outfitted it with thrusters and stuff so like, it can change direction mid-air and all sorts of bullshit. That's
2: kind of cool, but yeah, it would... G-forces. I just... those I'm just now imagining those accidentally go off in the wrong way while she's just, like, driving and crushes her own car. I... But it's weird,
1: because I'm not bothered by, like, being hit by the bat-wing cape-metal, like... Meyer's cape-slash-wing-slash-weapon going up against D's sword so hard that it's literally starting to, like, melt the metal... With Didn't like, bug me, but, like, that like just, bazooka did. Just the
2: did. pressure. They're so fucking strong. That just the pressure. Yeah, of those and and I was like, that's fucking sweet. And i was I'm like, that's... you're going to fire a bazooka on this? No, shut the fuck up. Like, I was that's... like, that's fucking sweet. And then the more I watched it, I was like, what the fuck is he even using? What is this? What is this sword made of? Considering how often the uh, the
1: the combat was, like, D flying forward, and then the, like, shing, and something falling apart. They did that, like, ten fucking times. 100%
0: accurate to the novel. Oh, yeah, no, I know. (laughs) It's ridiculous. But I'm just
1: saying, like, so often, you know, Dragon Ball Z drove me nuts because they're moving too fast for the eye to see, so we don't have to actually draw a fight scene. Didn't fucking bother me once in this
2: movie. No, not Uh, at all. But did you have a favorite scene? I really fucking uh, not so much a scene, but like once they start, once they get into Camilla's castle, um, and basically like everybody's starting to fucking trip out and have illusions on them. That's when I was like, "This is fucking cool." I'm loving like all the blood designs for Camilla is super gorgeous. Um, This was the first time I ever really
1: found out about the Countess Elizabeth Bathory. hmm. I no idea if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but uh, Bathory was a real serial killer countess lady who was killed, who uh, is often mixed with vampires, partially because Carnilla, Carmilla? Carmilla. Carnella is a vampire story that predates Dracula by about
0: 26 years. Thank you.
1: Oh, interesting. Quarter century. And it is the first example of lesbian vampire trope, yep. but they never actually do lesbianism as a bad thing, but they're also never like, then she fucked me. It was like, my companion touched me.
0: There are Centrally. definitely. I can't name a single one off the top of my and head. We but we flicked the bean. <laughs> <laughs> there is one hundred percent like seventies European sex exploitation horror movies based off Carmilla.
2: One hundred percent. Yeah,
0: she's
1: fucking built for it. She's a lesbian vampire <laughs> who bathes in blood, as far as I remember. Yeah, I mean that's the part from Elizabeth Bath Yeah, she was accused of kidnapping her locals and murdering them in outrageously terrible ways, uh, alongside her like wet nurse from being a child. So basically, her nana was she bathed in blood to stay young.
2: The first major that villain my I concern, would I that wouldn't too. be too concerned about murdering them in like brutal ways. I would mostly be just like well, snap your neck, and then I'm going to drain you into this tub. No fuss, no muss. Oh, no, she really enjoyed the torture. Huh. Also, it might be a giant lie because the king, uh, king owed her, like, fucking millions of dollars. Probably a lie. But she was also bricked uh, up. Oh, she house, probably no. did it one time. <laughs> and then everyone actually, was like, oh, she does it all the time. I
1: don't <laughs> want to say I'm choosing to believe that it's true because it's fucking metal as fuck. Because, like, if that is, a bunch of people died terribly. But it's one time. But it's that thi- it's still bad, but it's that thing that the farther away you get from the, like, terrible shit that went down in history, the more you want to, like, the less the personal, like, oh my god, these were real people, like, bothers you. Uh, in the same way that I want Gilles to Reed to be the, like, terrible murderer that he was and not just Joan of Arc's random, randomly accused friend because the king owed him money
2: again. That's just a fucking trope. <laughs> like, Man, stop owing king's money. Or no, not the king's owing you money. Oh damn! Kill the king and take their money. <laughs>
0: that's what the king was scared of. <laughs> just get it done. Uh, interestingly, Carmilla not in the novel. Oh, I'm sure. that's all completely for the anime.
2: How the fuck
1: does is that is such an intrinsic act? I don't know how you tell this story without the blood countess.
0: So, it, like I said, it's a little bit more of just a one to one for the last, like the third act of. Dracula, where it's just a pursuit that ends in death. And so the it's whole a shag- th- it's literally a Shaggy Dog story. At a certain point, D. Okay, here's a big change from the end, and we'll talk about the ending for a second. the The spaceport is ruined. There's not even a chance of going to the stars. Everything is slagged. It's torn apart. It's- Which you
2: see in the opening of the movie. It's basically a bunch of space rubble.
0: So the, the big reason in the story that D actually doesn't like get like catch up with them sooner is because at a certain point in the story, he realizes, uh, where they're going and knows that it's pointless. So he can just do it on his own fucking time. They're, they're basically Thelma and Louise. Yeah. And here's the other twist is that Charlotte also knows
2: Oh shit I was gonna ask because that oh, was that actually ask.
1: makes it very beautiful in this own.
0: Um, it's very tragic. like it's a super like just like this is like the, the movie is super gothic right that puts
1: so much more emphasis on that like our dream our impossible beautiful dream line that she has there, which I kind of was going shut the fuck up and make her a vampire already. You could still save her, but he doesn't want to. Yeah, but she fucking has already asked him to do it and is dying and he's like, how terrible you're dying. He, you could fix that right now, my Yeah, but
2: he loves her and doesn't want her to have to suffer the curse he feels every fucking day of his life. I just it Yeah, I know, but
1: also they were gonna go live with vampires on the moon, which is fucking so a cool. episode.
2: But um Yeah, like she don't make it outside that airport, that, that space. Yeah, part. man, like she was she's dinner. already. She's a like, she's a snack to go in that fucking apples be to go. But I still space. have
1: that strange moment of like really feeling it when Layla's like, Go on, fly, you can do it. I'm like, he killed so many people. Yeah. <laughs> like
0: <laughs> So here's the they they don't give this detail in the in the movie either, but Dee is already kind of prone to listening to Myers, Myerling's side in the book because in the 5,000 years that Dee has been doing his job, he's the only nobility that he's never heard a single negative thing about and that he's only heard positive stories of because he actually treats people like people.
1: That's fucking cool. That's... That explains the, like, weird respect that he
2: gives Meyerling that you don't... Mm-hmm. And he's such a kind of silent protagonist in this movie for the most part. Like, he has very few lines. Oh, he never fucking talks. That's
1: just... <laughs> Which, that's not his thing. It, that's fine. It, that's why we have left hand to make fun of him. Yeah. <laughs> but that said, the final line in the movie where he makes fun of Dee's dress sense, shut the fuck up, man. I would right? wear that hat every day of my life. You'd look good in that every day of your life. I have a pattern to make it. I've just never gotten around to it. It would be wildly impractical. Like, imagine getting into a car. (laughs) It's so big. Well, you have a truck. You can put it in the bed. (laughs) This is why I have a truck, so I can fit my
2: hat. Or start riding a mechanical horse. On a steel horse I ride. I love... I'm going to back up like
0: three minutes. I love the expression in your face when I said that Carmilla was anime only. I just...
1: Okay, it's like the movie Metropolis. Have you ever seen it? Yeah, yeah. It's fucking amazing. A character in it is intended in, in only for the anime. It's not in the original manga. And for the life of me, because I've never read the manga, I cannot figure out how you tell that story without that character. Because it's such an intrinsic part of... It's so
2: seamlessly worked in. I mean, it's just a race against the clock and they're just getting to a fucking vampire. Yeah, I guess. They just add a
1: whole third act, but that third act
2: affects everything else before it so heavily that, like... Did I miss... Was I misconstruing this, or does it feel like... It felt like Camilla was trying to orchestrate... Coming back to life. Coming back Mm -hmm. to life. And it felt like they were trying to imply that she had orchestrated Meyerlink and... Charlotte. Charlotte's, like... Relationship, or at least found out about
1: the relationship and figured
2: out that she could use it because she's a strange ghost vampire lady. So knowing yeah. now, something like that. Knowing <laughs> now what you've said about like from the context of like the book of like Meyerling is supposed to be like not a terrible, not the worst um, of vampires, and is supposed to be good. Like I thought, like contextually, there's like I didn't understand why the fuck they were together. It was like where do they meet? What, what, how are they together? Why are why are they so fucking hardcore in love? It seems like even that's a abducted. little
0: unclear in the book. Because I had to reread that page a couple times. I'm not gonna lie; it kind of sounds like some like love at first sight romance. And I'm sorry, bullshit. but Charlotte is a bad character, mm-hmm. and
2: that's fine. She's if that's my the case. only
0: critique of this movie. But
2: having like thought that was the case, I was like, I don't get why they're together. And then having the character uh, having uh, Camilla like. Orchestrate them being together for whatever reason so that she could get this body and come back to life. It's like, oh, okay. That that makes sense to me. It was all a plan from this other fucker who's just trying to fuck up their day. I and think get it's a body. because being in a
1: gothic romance sucks and you don't actually have to like the person that much, you just won't bang them. And have a tragic backstory.
0: Fuck, this is a really good gothic romance, guys. It is, it
1: is. It is. On a couple of different levels, too, because like I don't necessarily believe that Layla has fallen in love with Dee, but there is some level of, like, at least deep understanding l- leading to, a, I don't want to say love, but at least some form of. There's definitely camaraderie between the two
2: of them in a, a way. Camaraderie's yes. better than affection, which is the word that I was struggling to Because it a doesn't word feel for. like Dee has affection, from what I understand of what I've seen. That said, he
1: calls her an old friend later, and I believe it. Like, he has as much as he's capable of which actually fucking ties into my favorite scene of this movie, which is kind of the middle and the end because they fucking link together is the scene where D is almost dies and she saves his life to return. And they're hanging out under the like giant tree to protect from the rain. Partly because there's something about how anime expresses like rainfall that is beautiful in a way that no other form of media seems to really portray. Like I don't, Get it. I don't even know how to explain what I'm thinking about, but there is something about the like silence of waiting for
2: the rain to pass that anime likes to use that is fucking gorgeous. There's something about the way they illustrate it. It's 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 so viscerally like a feeling in anime rain mm-hmm. that like it's I don't know how to describe it. It and just is it is what rain feels like to me.
1: And her telling her backstory, and it's, you know, a pretty generic fucking Vampire Hunter backstory. Oh, my and parents' even, vampires, dead, something. Even the whole thing is, like, kind of, but that bit of, like, let's make a pact. Whichever dies first, the other brings flowers, because I like flowers, but I don't think I'll ever see them. And D agreeing to that, because that is possibly the most human moment we ever see from D. Although the fact that he's 5,000 years old kind of changes the, like, don't expect to get through this. Shut the fuck up, dude.
2: <laughs> Although he does, like, go out of his way to, like, bandage her up. Yeah. Simply but, because she hears her crying for her mom.
1: Yes, no, and I just... There, but there is something about that moment of vulnerability and that, like, you get to have a life I don't that I thought was really interesting. And it's just... The whole thing is gorgeous, and then it ties in at the fucking very end. Spoiler, if you care about the absolute last scene of this movie, that's a fucking epilogue. But we find out that she goes and has a fucking life, and he's at her funeral, and, like, her granddaughter thanks him for being there, and, like, he kind of smiles at her and whatever. And it's fucking... makes me tear up.
2: And I don't even know why, because it's such a, like, quiet, small little moment. I mean, quiet, it, it got me too, in that, like, it felt like a good, like... Rebuttal to the the old man who was a kid who like Wasn't able to thank him as a child because the town ran him out because he Was a fucking half human half vampire and then now we get to see it's taken fucking almost a hundred plus years but he does get that like recognition for effect. fucking like 2 <laughs> seconds.
1: In Which, fairness, we don't
2: know that that's a societal change. That's we, just we don't know serious. that it's a societal change, but also he does get that at least at what he should have gotten at that point when he saved fucking 10 kids from vampires and instead he got fucking mobbed out of town. Also, when we're going
1: to talk about great scenes, we can't not talk about the fucking old man. Oh, he's great. Um and then just as an honorable mention and I, just cuz it's gorgeous when the fucking like flying sand manta rays show up and he like rides Those are over are so them cool. It's just fucking awesome. It's another
0: part so much better than that part in the book.
1: It's what's amazing about no this. No
0: sand manas. Sorry.
1: Every action scene in this movie is great. I have no complaints about a single bit. I never get bored with them. They're always really good. My favorite moments are always the quiet moments in between the action scenes. Which is not always true with a fucking vampire hunter movie.
0: No sand manas in the book.
1: Well, why the fuck do we have that book then?
0: I don't know man it's just a, it's just a the the only equivalent scene is him uh basically making the cyborg horse run across water.
1: oh yeah, that's not going really is cool. I'm sure it's still cool but
0: but it's 'cause the 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 book doesn't uh take place over such a wide range of locales. It's mostly just. They're going through a forest. They're on the edge of the frontier, and so shit's bad. But it's mostly a forest.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> they do go through a junkyard at one point.
1: Oh, I'm sure that's fucking awesome in this weird gothic punk.
0: Oh, it's so cool. So, uh, what's her name? The Barbaroy. the the chick Barbaroy. The poison ivy. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> I
2: don't know her name. I should. I uh,
0: know. Caroline.
2: Y- Caroline. Nice, Caroline. Very nice. There was too many C names in this movie for my fucking um, uh, ADHD rattled brain to just like remember any of them. There was two. There's, I feel like three or something. Well, or three. Just
1: been... They're all women. Everyone. Charlotte, Layla's Camilla, Camilla, the
2: only woman that doesn't have a C name. You're right. Charlotte, Camilla, uh, Caroline, Caroline um, and Layla. Are they like the four? Layla, like layla, other
1: than Layla's da, granddaughter. Da, da, da.
2: There's no one else that's female in this. So.
1: Yeah, so, this
0: movie
2: does
1: not pass the Bechdel test, but I mean a lot of movies don't. That's not necessarily an automatic.
0: So she's a damper, poison ivy. Yeah, really. And the the thing is, the reason the junkyard is really fucking cool is because her weird little Merged power thing, thing power? it it's that kind of like how vampires can bite someone and take them under their control. Yeah. She doesn't have full nobility powers, like she can't turn someone into a vampire, but she can control them if she drinks their lifeblood. But that's a very broad definition. So she runs into a ripped off mech arm that she drinks the oil and like hydraulic fluid nice. of, but it allows her to take psychic control of it. And she fights D with like a like 50 foot long humanoid mecha arm
2: that is super fucking cool that's fucking rad I really like the, how they animated her she was super cool in the way that she took mm-hmm. out the uh, the RV tank thing see I put tank in there for you thank you <laughs> this
0: <laughs> and is then a she...
1: weirdly aggressive episode between the two of I us don't know why.
0: <laughs> and then she does do the, the forest thing later on
2: oh yeah that was super fucking
0: rad she goes and like legit just goes and bites a shit tons of trees and then and <laughs> then so she can control the trees Ow,
1: my teeth hurt just thinking about that
0: <laughs> it's interesting i don't know it was mm, i i just want to get the big change out of the way and why everybody and everybody everything is shit in the book just so that i can like stop holding on to it and i don't know i don't want to ruin your guys's day but like unleash the anime version is so much happier, and I'm gonna just throw in a mini little like content warning right here because it's that bad. Like, oh wow, guys! Like, if you don't want to hear some kind of screwed up stuff about the big changes that is made, especially to the Marcus clans, get forward like five minutes. Yeah, so the Marcuses never leave any competition alive. If you take the same job as them, they kill you. They are all related. And they have all been sexually abusing Layla since the first time she had a boyfriend.
1: Well, that magic, not magically, radically changes. I knew rape was going to come up in this fuck. Uh, that radically changes all four of those characters. I hate it. Because they almost, she almost has some kind of romantic relationship with Grove. Or at least Grove has romantic feelings to her.
2: Mad respect for whoever read the source material is like, nah. Oh, we're changing that for the movie. Yeah, we want these to be ethically questionable vampire
1: hunters, not not the Firefly family. Like. The fucking worst.
0: Uh, Kyle takes great delight in it, which is something. And I'm full out on Kyle. Fuck that guy. And not only that, <laughs> not only that, but he seems to be the only one that delights—not delights, but. He definitely enjoys that he tends to be the one that usually gets picked to send Grove into uh, one of his seizures. They all only half, like, they all all only half love Grove, but are more keep him around because of how useful he is. I mean, he's a
2: fucking OP, like... He's a big bad weapon. See, Borgoff seems, I mean, we get
1: fucking one line with him and Grove in the movie, but he at least seems to have some kind of affection for.
0: Borgoff is the one that arguably cares the most for Grove in the book. And Mm -hmm. even then at the end, he's like, he gets to a certain point where he's like, I'm, yeah, I'm sorry, but uh, it's either we both die or I force you to die for me. So I'm going to choose that one.
2: Fuck me! I'm less interested
1: it. in reading this book all of a sudden because I kind of like the Marcus family. They're
0: action wise, they're all still really fucking cool. Oh,
1: I'm sure. I just in the in the movie, the Marcus brothers are an interesting <laughs> pair. But where it goes dark is when you have Borgoff and Kyle alone together. While in that, it just sounds like
2: they're the worst. And like at that point, it feels like they're kind of like just kind of fucked up because like. Their brother's been murdered and, like... Their
1: brother's been murdered.
2: They're, stuck in, they're uh, kind of unsure if they're going to survive this, but they're also, like, kind of fed up with this situation and kind of fucked up. Oh, like, I I could understand it a little bit. Mm. I don't like it, but I can understand it. It's like... Yeah, my brother was just fucking murdered. I'm going to get revenge.
1: Well, and when there's a vampire and there's been a thousand-year war against the vampires, I recognize that it's going to change stuff a little. But as someone who hasn't been part of this (laughs) thousand-year war, the torture scene
2: made me uncomfortable. Yes fuck that sucks uh that's a weird thing and that that that's one of the few instances of where i can think where they make a change from the book to the movie or adaptation and it's like oh good choice great choice you you really shouldn't have done that in the book yeah basically most things i've heard about changing from the
1: book to the movie seem better in the movie here
0: i do uh there were some cool things they they rebalanced the brothers in weird in not weird ways but ways that make sense for the type of story that you're watching where they make like Borgoff kind of like the all rounder, mm-hmm. Kyle's the quick guy, and then Nolt's the giant. Borgoff is by far the giant. Most of the time in the book, he's simply called the giant because he's so fucking big compared to the others. The other two are both like quick guys. Interesting. In the book. Well, no, the no, hammer, oh, you said or... Nolt didn't have the hammer.
1: Yeah, with the hammer, you really need him to be the fucking tank of the group
0: yeah in the book he has like an iron hexagonal staff that he the way he wields it is it's hard to describe but it's it's described in a lot of the the same way that you see kyle using his blades in the anime except with a fucking giant staff oh so that's boring because there's two of them No, because Kyle in the book, and this is the most anime fucking shit in the (laughs) world. So he basically, Soul Calibur 2, Voldo's hand blades. He basically has those on the ends of super long, thin, strong wires that he whips out and can manipulate with his fingertips, making them weave in and out of trees and like spiral spiral around them and are just like. Crazy, weird, long-range weapons.
2: Interesting.
0: Borgoff still has a bow, but it's not like a crazy, cool, little crossbow thing. Built into his wrist, like a wrist gauntlet crossbow. It's described as looking like he just reached up and grabbed a limb off of a tree and strung it with gut from some sort of animal that he killed on the side of the road, but he's pulling off, like, crazy-ass magic shots and shit with it.
2: That's still pretty cool. Yeah. I get the change. It's easier to visually, like, kind of...
0: But he also more explicitly has magic that he can do in the book. Mm. Like, he calls down lightning on D when he's crossing a, a bridge at one point and shit.
1: Direct magic use seems to be bigger in the books from what I remember, while in the shows... I mean, obviously magic exists, but it tends to be more stuff, like, left hand than it is, like, lightning bolt.
0: Yeah, he it's he's got like a scrying mirror that it's all described really cool. he like when he sees someone, he can use the scrying mirror to then imprint his memory of their image upon it. And, and then it he has to do this by moonlight with clouds out and he uses that to direct the moon's gaze at that person and project it onto the clouds so he can watch what they're doing. And that's how he's tracking D the entire time. That's quite
1: a sentence.
2: That's... <laughs> bad. I think, if I <laughs> understand it. <laughs> if it's I interesting. Fo- if I followed that correctly, that's pretty fucking random.
0: Because the moon can see everything that's under her. Something like that. Sure.
2: Okay, whatever, dude. <laughs> but what about the other side of the
1: earth?
0: I don't know, man. Can't see that. I don't know. Um. Yeah. Sorry. The Marcuses suck. They're a lot better in the. In no this.
1: wonder you seemed uncomfortable when we were talking. But as
0: soon as you brought up the like Kyle mentioning how sexy Layla looked, I was like, oh no. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah,
1: that definitely makes that scene hit even worse.
2: Well, it hits even
0: worse. Also, yeah, the whole it's Kyle. A I provoke any rate, good things just, I said yeah. about him. Yikes.
2: Ugh.
0: And D doesn't go to her funeral.
1: Well fuck that. I'm sorry, that that scene is so goddamn good. Do they just not have that? She just dies? What?
0: No, so she she does live. Everyone else dies. Everyone else dies, except for her and D. And her whole thing is, first off, Dee's the only guy in her life that has never raped her. <sighs> uh
1: Grove? Fuck.
0: Yeah. And he did like take time to like save her life a couple times. And the other thing that they—it's hard to even get across in an anime, so I understand why they kind of skip over it. He's supposed to be so beautiful that everyone who looks at him kind of starts having second thoughts about what they should be doing with their lives and how (laughs) they might like have a better sex
1: with D might be the better choice. Yeah, yeah, he is inhumanly
2: beautiful. When he when he
0: threatens people, they're like. Oh, but only to be killed by you.
2: <laughs> oh, yes, Daddy. Please step on me type scenario.
0: Yeah. So she's also dealing with that. And the her end Fuck. is... Her end is that she doesn't get to see it, but by the end of the book, she actually manages to make him smile as he's leaving. When the entire time he's just been a, a fucking...
2: Blank-faced, he's D, yeah. Mm-hmm. I did have a moment, just, oh, I don't know... Dude, fuck, imagine, I imagine smiling at people who probably gets their engines revving real good, then. I don't know why I randomly thought of this, because
1: it's a thousand percent unrelated to what you just said. But at first, he's like, $10 million is not enough, and that's supposed to be, like, really rude, like, shut the fuck up, D. But then a horse apparently costs $300,000, and it's, like, 20 gold coins, so, um... Inflation's just fucking
2: wild (laughs) by that point. That's like... They don't care about their daughter or horses are really, really, (laughs) really, really valuable.
0: That all... The first... So, in the book, Grove is actually why the Marcuses win both fights. Not just the second one. He's Because they're outnumbered 700 to 4 in the book. Because the entire town is turned, not just the graveyard. Oh. Okay, um, And they take out like 200 of them And everything's going really good But there's still 500 left And then Grove shows up And wipes the floor with the rest of them
2: So basically uh, the, the same stakes as like Fucking uh, the, In the movie where it's basically like You two took out two zombies And then this guy took out the rest of the fucking zombie mm-hmm. Vampire guys
0: But it's also supposed to be that They have in fact took out hundreds of nobility they are considered to be the number two vampire the hunters in the world mm-hmm. behind d
2: maybe because they also kill every other vampire mm-hmm. hunter who takes any jaws they're on it tracks yeah which then like i'm like i know that was what they did in the book they didn't do it in the movie because obviously it was like well let's just let that guy go see you later <laughs> d yeah <laughs> But it does make sense that Kyle's just like well, you can't let him go. He's competition. Interesting.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it makes it makes a few of these things make a little bit more sense because they do do a good job of calling back to everything that happens in the book, just sometimes in a slightly different order. Mm-hmm. And tone it down in a way where it's like not
2: fucking incredibly horrible.
0: <laughs> the 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 old man uh, the that we keep mentioning that fucking remember d from back in the day that was in the book it's the barb roy elder mixing those two is weird especially with the way that
1: the uh self-described old lech was like yes you are very beautiful i want to fuck <laughs> <Yes>, you. <I> <laughs> <know>. <laughs> you saved me as a boy i remember
2: you let me return the favor I didn't know what love was before I saw you as a boy, and I didn't know it again until today. I'm an old man who wants to fuck you. Oh, Jesus.
0: Yeah, instead, that all's like, he shows up and the Barbara are all going to attack because they took the co- contract. And then the old man's like, yeah, no. So, like, the l- rules you all know is that we're supposed to honor our contracts, but there's an older rule that most of you don't know. Cause you're only 500 years old and I'm 10,000 years old. And I remember, and there's a rule that was set down when we first founded the village, that if the sacred ancestor or any of his descendants show up, we basically throw down our lives for them.
2: Interesting. And
0: then Mashira Bengay and what's her name are the only ones to be like, yeah, we're gonna. We don't fucking care. We took the contract. Bendy e. ben <laughs> ben is a very different thing. <laughs> They're like Meyerling asked for us personally, so we're gonna still go for him. Fuck you, old man.
2: Dip this. This movie fucking so good. Yeah, this movie's so fucking it's good. So good. I will probably watch it again
1: soon because CC missed the middle part. Because again, we have so many goats. Um, and oh fuck, it's cool. I'm
0: trying to think if there's anything we missed. I don't really have
1: anything else for this. It's just beautiful. That's like the first word that comes to mind when thinking about this movie. Is just beautiful the, and
0: melodramatic, but in a great way. Oh yeah,
1: I, I'm a, it's a fucking super
0: melodrama. Good mo- melodrama. Yeah,
1: it's a cyberpunk vampire gothic romance. Like yeah, but it's. Based off Japanese pulp novels. A post-apocalyptic. That's the words I forget. Yeah. No. <laughs> the, the fucking only way to get more high drama is if it was literally named Dallas. But with sci-fi vampires. Yeah,
2: no, actually I would like And magic. magic. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, so it's fucking uh, Dark Shadows. <laughs> <laughs> if Barnabas Collins popped up, maybe. But with Cyborgs.
0: Oh, Dee's so cool.
1: Yeah.
0: Mm. I love him.
1: I might like him better than Blade, and that's hard to say because I fucking love Blade Oh I
0: I love Blade. I love D more. I have no problem saying that. For me it's more of like, is it between vampire hunter D or uh Alucard from Hell'sing?
1: Ah oh, fair. Cece was and I CC was like, what is with all these fucking half vampire vampire hunters? I'm like, well, yeah, why at this point why bother fucking mm. hiring a vampire hunter that's not at least half vampire? She pointed out Alucard from Hells, not Helsing, but from uh, Castlevania. But to counter me, and fine. But he at least had a va- half vampire buddy that he hung out with a lot. All vampire buddy? No, half vampire buddy. You've
0: not seen Alucard. Castlevania. I
1: don't know why I'm looking at you. That's Alucard's
0: choked... full half. I
1: think?
0: Trevor's human. Trevor's human. Well, He's a full? vampire. Doesn't matter. Alucard would be half.
1: Does Castlevania owe a fuck ton to Vampire Hunter D? Oh yeah! Oh, one hundred percent. That's what I thought.
0: Absolutely, it does.
1: Jesus Christ! It's
0: good. Like I said, based on the dudes.
1: This, go home and watch Castlevania. I should. I've
0: heard. Based on teams. the dude's action writing style, it sounds like a lot of people have <laughs> things to owe to Vampire Hunter D.
1: <laughs> when did the first novel come out? Do you know?
0: Like eighty.
1: Okay, because I knew the series. The first movie came out in eighty five, but I didn't know for sure. Something when to... like that. Yeah, the Shonen genre apparently just owes D its existence.
0: I really should have like pulled like a passage to, to illustrate that, but
1: it's a little dry to read the novels, mm-hmm. but I that happens a lot, I've noticed, when you translate from Japanese to English, just the change in like language style takes I don't want to say takes the character out of it, but He's supposed to look seventeen to eighteen years old in the show he looks in his like 20s here
2: he looks about 55 in the original <laughs> anime oh yeah he looks I did start watching the original anime it, it is on the internet archive if anybody's a uh, real bored um, uh, it's sweet don't get me I will make fun of it because it's, it's an 80s anime but it's, it's very much an bummer. 80s anime it looks like an 80s anime
0: I know Hideyuki Kikuchi doesn't an like it that
2: kid brother
0: I know Not I know the author doesn't like it but it's funny because he will like fully admit he's like, yeah, but my shit got a lot popular after that. His biggest problem is he thought it looked cheap and he's mm-hmm. not wrong. Right. And then with I mean, with Bloodlust, he apparently gave um, the director like full reign. He was like, because by that point, that same director had already adapted Wicked City and Demon City Sujuku. And so he was just like, you've, you've shown your chops, man. You can do it. Have fun. Have fun with my story. I trust whatever you do. Awesome. You done it before, it. do it again. Yeah. And loves it. Yeah, much like we do. It's fucking great. <laughs>
1: this might be the thing we have been the most passionately like into the in a long time
0: while talking about. Cause it's not the Craven trailer. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> yeah, I can't think of anything obvious, bad to say like, about it. Like my the only
2: thing that didn't that like it's not that it doesn't even work for it. It's not even a complaint, it's just that I noticed that, like, structurally, it's different than other things I've watched recently, and it felt like multiple different set pieces strung together. Yeah, no, it's fucking bonkers. It just... <laughs> it's, oh, yeah, no, it's bonkers. That's the closest I could get to a complaint, is that structurally it is a little bonkers.
1: Charlotte sucks ass. That is the only complaint. And she works for the role that she needs to do. So I don't even complain. She is just not in any way, shape, or form interesting. Not that we even need to complain. I'm just, you know.
0: I remembered one other thing I wanted to bring up. Just because we brought up a couple of the other voice actors.
1: Oh, thank God. It's not something terrible
0: from the books again. I mean, it involves Layla. (laughs) But it's the fact that Layla is voiced by Pamela Adlin.
2: Yeah, I looked
0: Bobby that Bobby fucking Hill.
1: The mother?
0: No. No, the, no son. the son.
1: Oh my god. Oh shit, I can kind of hear it.
2: I don't know you. <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh my god. Uh, also, because I did watch it, uh, Lucky in 101 Dalmatians the series.
2: I feel like she's also done some, a couple other...
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, Pamela Adlin's done a ton of things. And she does uh, live action stuff, too. Uh, She was in Californication. She was in Louie. I think she wrote and produced Louie.
2: Yeah, I think she had definitely wrote and produced it. And then, like, at the same time, had a second show that got off the ground because of that. Mm -hmm. The guy who did Left Hand did some live action stuff, too, but I don't
1: remember
0: off the top of my head. Yeah. Who? I'm going to look that up real quick. (laughs) He was uh, on the original Who's line shit mike mcshane uh he was in robin hood prince of prince of thieves richie rich uh oh office space was he in office space whatever he's in the angels take manhattan though.
2: oh <laughs> the thing that my brain was trying to there's two fucking pamela adlon things that my brain fucking always is shocked that she was in but i was like oh yeah of course recess The Disney's Recess. Oh, okay. And fucking Pajama Sam, the video game series. See, this is why I
1: love voice actors, because the range of what you'll find them in is so wild.
2: Oh, she's also fucking in Time Squad?
0: Bobby's World? I don't know that one. Okay, yes. (laughs) Ferngully. She was a minor role in Ferngully. That's awesome. Fairy number two. (laughs) It's
1: fucking great. It's just, go watch it. Go, stop listening. Go watch it. Next time, we have another fucking great thing. Because we're doing uh, Castle of Cagliostro, Loop on the Third, and Miyazaki all in the same thing.
0: Yay. Wildly
1: different movie.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Hopefully you don't find out bad things about those characters behind
1: Yeah, us. if it turns out that there's a whole bunch of that in the whatever version of Loop on the Third, I'm just done.
0: <laughs> like Apparently, we cannot <laughs> pick things anymore.
1: <laughs> in the meantime, we're your generals of nerdery. I'm Zach. I'm Tyler. Dismissed. Dismissed.
0: Hi, everybody, General Tyler here. If you like the show, please hit subscribe, however you're listening to us right now. Also, if you could rate and review us, however you're listening to us right now, or preferably over at Apple Podcasts, we would super appreciate it, as the whole world is ran on algorithms, and we want to be all up in them, getting our voice out to more places. Uh, Also, I mean, tell your friends, we always appreciate that. Uh, If you want to get in contact with us, ask us questions, give us comments email us, generalnerderypod at com. You can also contact us through our website, www.generalnerdcast.com. Uh, while you're there, check out all of our back catalog, or click the links up at the top as we are part of the Ear Verm Podcast Network. Uh, go check out all of our sister shows. We're involved with most of them, so if you already like listening to us talk, It might be in your best interest. And if you want to check out everything from the network, head over to earverm.com, E-A-R-V-V-Y-R-M.com. We'd super appreciate it. Love you all. Have a good one.